Hello, and welcome to the Gifted Life Podcast, where we have conversations about organ, tissue, and eye donation. Thank you so much for listening, guys. I'm Lori Steele. I'm Joey Boudreaux. I'm Sarah Blakemore. On the episode today, they're back undertaking the podcast. Yeah, we get questions, so we like to ask the experts about a topic that we get quite often, planning for a funeral. And what to say when you don't know what to say. All good. All coming your way right here, thegiftedlife.org. Hang on to your hats. Here we go. Here on The Gifted Life, they're back. We had so much fun with these guys, Brian and Ryan. They're of the podcast, Undertaking the Podcast. That's what it's called. Pretty catchy, right? All right. So, and we got to ask you guys, uh, you know, How'd you get that name? But you're back. Hi. Well, thanks for having us. Did you miss us as much as we missed you guys? Of course we did. Yes. All right. We had so many more questions. Uh, There's only so much time per per episode. So we uh, greatly appreciate you guys uh, coming back. And Ryan, you had joined us last time uh, in in between the the interview. And we talked to Brian about how he got into uh, the funeral business. And we just kind of wanted to hear your background really quick, if you could bring us up to date. You know, I, I've been involved with my family firm, I guess, since I was a kid. I started in 1949. Um, really enjoyed working with my family, but I, I, I came from another career. So I started off uh, as a uh, EMT paramedic in Indianapolis, did that for about 13 years, ran into some pretty, uh, I would say, compromising situations where safety was a little bit of a concern. I used to run with my hair on fire all the time. Once I had children, uh, that kind of changed for me. So made me think about some things. I still advocate for EMS uh, legislatively as well as uh, locally uh, or state and locally, um, but uh, not not on the truck uh, 24 hours at a time anymore, you know. And uh, so I, I kind of moved into the idea of, of taking care of people, you know, in their time of need to a different time of need, you know what I mean? So um, been a funeral director for about two years now, enjoy it. I really like it. I really enjoy working with my family. Uh, there's one thing I can honestly say, and I think we talked about this in the past, uh, Brian, is, is the fact that thank you means something different within funeral service. Um, and, and when I, when I say that, there, there's, there's a genuine, there's, how, how do I put this? There's a genuine, it's just more genuine, I guess would be a, a, just the term. You know, when someone says thank you, they mean it. You don't hear that in public safety very often at all. And if you do, um, it's few and far between. So, um, you know, the, the idea of thank you and the meaning behind it, uh, seeing someone say thank you and they have a tear, you feel that you've made a difference. You feel that you've touched that person, that family, guided them through this process, and, uh, you know, and, and they legitimately are thankful. So that was something for me. Um, I, I crave, I, I'm a validation guy anyway. Uh, so I, I like, I like hearing thank you. I enjoy that. I, I crave that. It makes me work harder. Uh, so that's one thing within funeral service that, that, you know, I wouldn't say it changed me, but it's something I was able to get within this profession that I wasn't getting elsewhere. So um, I love EMS. Don't get me wrong. Emergency medical services always will be an advocate and always will love it. Always, uh, you know, on the side of EMS professionals. Um, 
but this was something that was a better fit for my family, for my kids, uh, you know, as well as a sustainable business that was already established. And then you guys, you know, of course, both took your knowledge and, uh, and wanted to kind of uh, pay things forward with, with creating a podcast, undertaking the podcast. Uh, mm-hmm. I had to explain to the millennials in the room what an undertaker was. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so uh, how did you guys come up with the name? My sister is a graphic designer, and I was working with her to come up with a logo for the podcast, but we needed a name first, and we were tossing names left and right, and she says, well, you're undertaking the podcast, and I went, well, I guess we are undertaking the podcast, <laughs> and that's how the name came. We kind of had a little bit of laugh about that, but uh, um, that that's my, so basically our graphic designer, my sister, named the podcast, but uh, yeah, I you'd mentioned that, you know, we're, we're taking our expertise kind of on the road or out on the internet to the world. We're, what we want to do is take folks on a journey with us because we're still learning on the way too. And that, that's really our main goal with the podcast. Well, and the podcast too is, is it's conversational. You know, we, we bring people in that, uh, that we, you know, that we think have an expertise that we don't or, or that some, you know, they, they, they have something unique about them that they can maybe share with the entire industry itself. So it, it's, you know, we're not, we're not preaching or teaching or anything like that. Uh, we're, we're having conversation and, and I find, and I think Brian does too. We, you know, when we go to these conventions and we go to places, you know, sometimes just sitting down and having conversation after, uh, you know, whatever breakout session you go to or whatever else, sometimes that's where you learn more than you did the breakout session. So uh, dialogue is so important, something we don't do enough just in America in general, but I think from a standpoint of within funeral service, uh, we, we need to be doing a lot more of that. So Yeah, we mentioned in um, a previous podcast with you guys, communication is key uh, across uh, the board. So we uh, appreciate you guys opening up that, that dialogue. Uh, we did want to talk to you guys when it comes to funerals, the pre-planning uh, that goes into it. And sounds like you guys had a key, like here's some helpful tips and we'd like those. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll take it, Ryan, if you like. Go ahead, buddy. If you don't mind. Yeah. Um, what I can tell folks is if, if they're thinking of pre-planning, uh, the one thing that you need to have is just being willing to have a conversation. There's nothing that you can forget to bring into a funeral home that can't be undone later. Basically, I give folks, uh, I call it Brian's three steps to pre-planning. And the first one is is choosing a funeral home and giving them your information. That is you know, all about your family, all about yourself, tell them what you do for work. And the funeral director will make, make a list. He'll take notes and create a file to keep, uh, keep at the funeral home for you. That takes maybe 10 to 15 minutes. Sometimes it takes three hours because folks just love to talk and funeral directors, as you can tell, we love to talk too. Um, but getting that first step done, completely easy and absolutely free. I doubt there's a funeral director in the nation that would try to charge you money for providing them your personal information to keep on file to help your family down the road. If there is, that's a big red flag. And then the second step is to, while you're having that conversation with the funeral director, is to talk about what types of services you desire, what would be important to your family. So whether that's a burial cremation, funeral in a church or a funeral home or in your home, there's so many options out there, but talk to that funeral director, have a conversation about it. And while you're there, get a written quote of how much is that, that is going to cost. That's step two. And step one and step two are absolutely completely free. Step three is coming up with a plan to fund it. And I'm going to stay out of the rabbit hole here because there's so many different ways to plan a funeral and fund a funeral that we're not even going to go into. But the thing that we all want consumers to know is this is this needs to be your decision. If you ever get 
hard push from a salesman or a funeral director, that's a red flag. That's time to slow down and stop and reevaluate if you've made the right decision, because this is a very personal decision for you and your family. And you should not be pressured into something to do to do something you're not comfortable with. So those are the, th the, the those are Brian's three steps to pre-planning. I'll, I'll, I'll start with a conversation, giving your information to a funeral director, getting a written quote for what you want, and then coming up with a plan to fund it. So I have been through um, funeral homes over the last couple of years more times than I'd like, just losing loved ones. And um, we had uh, a request from my dying loved one to put a sound machine in the casket. And he had picked someone that was going to make this noise as people were coming to the service. And he said he just didn't want everybody to be so sad. He wanted it to be something people remembered, which we do. And um, as folks would come up, there was a noise that would come from the coffin and it caught everybody off guard, but we were laughing about it. And then folks would stay because they wanted to see what the next person's reaction would be um, and things like that. So, um, and that's just from us. And then um, <laughs> next time we visited the, the funeral home, they were, you know, you, you tell us what you want. We even had this one who put this sound machine in the gasket. And, um, and we were, that, that was us. Yeah. So have you had any crazy, um, uh, asks of you guys when it when it comes to that? Is there you know you've been in the business for for a long time? Brian, can I jump in real quick? <laughs> Absolutely, go ahead. You know, I, I don't know that that anything is crazy. You know, I, personally, I think that that idea that you just threw out there is is something you know that is it's kind of pretty innovative. You know, it creates the attention to go on the person, the, the guest of honor, the person that has has passed. You know, it, it it's uh, it's one last hurrah in their honor or in their name, you know? So I, I kind of think that's, that's neat. Now we've had, um, you know, we've had people put their, their pets in with them, uh, their, their cremated pet uh, in with them, uh, you know, things like that. We've had, uh, you know, we've had people put money, Jack Daniels bottles. Um, you know, it, it just, it varies on whatever that person was really into cigarettes. I think uh, Sinatra was uh, buried with, I think a roll of dimes, some marble reds, and then a uh, fifth of Jack Daniels. So something like that. I mean, that's not abnormal at all. Um, you know, there's people that uh, have asked to be buried with firearms in the past as well. You know, that's not out of the realm of possibility wow, as long as it's not a loaded that. loaded firearm. It cannot be a loaded firearm, you know. Um, it's funny so that it, you would it, know that, just, right? <laughs> uh, what, what's that? I said it's funny that you would know that. That's the rule. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's <laughs> still liability that goes into this too, but, but you know, it's one of those things where uh, you can you can pretty much pretty much do anything. I I, I don't know that it really would surprise me. I, mean, I think Brian's had a, a few surprises uh, when it comes to this, but for for me, I guess it, it's not surprising for for someone to ask to have anything put in in the casket with them. So. Yeah, Ryan's right. Um, you know, we always hear that, uh, you know, you can't take it with you. Well, nonsense. That's rubbish. You absolutely can't take it with you. And, and, and human beings have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years. We find it in the archaeological record that um, not only did they take nice things, they took their best things with them. Um, but to, to, to pick out one thing, um, I, can't, I can't even think of one thing that I would even label crazy because um, when a family gives us a request, it's so unique to that individual that in our heads, we're trying to make that answer be yes. 
um, and sometimes that takes time to to do. Um, you know, we've transported caskets in uh, vehicles that maybe you didn't think a, that would transport a casket in. Um, but um, the one thing I tell every family is, and most families preface their questions with, this may be weird. Now, just get that out of your head because chances are it's not. Um, but all we need as funeral directors is enough time to make that happen. And as long as it's within the law, we can probably do it. And, and some people may think it's weird, but I thought it was amazing because it obviously represented who that person was. We had one uh, recently that during the viewing process, uh, he was, they, they set, they staged it to where he was doing his favorite thing, what he did all the time. And it was gaming. I was wondering if you guys had chips had, on the side. Yeah, and he had like chips <laughs> and he had different things. I said, that is amazing. That's, that's something that's somebody that had a lot of forward thinking in that. Have you guys had right. any different requests like that? Yeah, I mean, you, you'll have people that'll, if someone, for instance, we're in an ag community where, where we're at, um, you know, we'll have people that say if they were a, a big farmer in town, they may want their, you know, their combines out on display. They may want their, their tractors out on display out in the parking lot or in front of the funeral uh, funeral home or whatever else. And then we also can personalize, too, around the casket, you know. Um, there's, you know, if it's a if it's a fall funeral and that person like fall colors, you can set a hay bale up in one corner and and, and kind of have a, a scarecrow there with a pumpkin or something like that. You really can decorate it, it almost. And I, it's going to be odd to say it this way, but almost Pinterest esque. You know what I mean? It really it, anybody can do anything. I I don't know that I don't know that Brian and, and I you know maybe you can back me up on this, but I don't know that. I don't know that the word no is something that we really want to say yeah. when it comes to that. So we'll figure it out. Yeah, and you see that with those uh, those other activities that other funeral homes have done. Uh, with more to your question on, it, it, I think it's been branded extreme embalming when it is just general embalming. It is just with specific requests, like setting someone up with their gaming uh, console. I've I've seen pictures with Pittsburgh Steelers uh, memorabilia sitting in a recliner watching a. Uh, watching Pittsburgh Steelers reruns. I've, I've seen a lot of that, but in our area, um, it's not something that's really requested. Um, I'm not sure how much it's done up in the Midwest, but it's kind of a cultural thing. It's, um, it's not uncommon in certain parts of the world to do that at all. Yeah, we saw some in NOLA. That's where we are. Louisiana, leave it to us, right? Um, you said you had like the, the you know top three kind of pre-planning. We like that. We like lists. Um, are there things that we need to think about to bring with us to a funeral home if that time comes? Is there like a go-to? Yeah, I would say no. I, I say the biggest thing is that you be open to conversation. And that conversation, we would encourage that it doesn't stop with the funeral director and the funeral home. Um, there's really, there's nothing that you have to bring in when you come in to make your plan. I've, I've had, a, I had a gentleman that came into the funeral home because he know, knows I have the coffee pot on. And while we were sitting having a cup of coffee, he says, you know, I need to come and see you sometime. And, of course, I looked at him funny because he's, of course, seeing me right then. And I said, what do you mean? He says, uh, well, I'd like to make my plans. And I said, well, we can probably do it before you finish that cup of coffee. And he says, well, I know I don't have any money. I said, oh, I don't need your money. Let's get your plan done. So we went through step one, step two. He had his plan in place. He knew what it would cost. And he was happy that he didn't have to, he didn't have to pay any money. Now, his third step's not done, but it doesn't have to be at that time. Um, so that, that's, that's the thing is being open to conversation and more so open to conversation, even within your own family as well. Um, one of the hardest things we do as funeral directors is when we have a plan in place, 
or a family has been given, uh, so I, sometimes I call them marching orders of uh, what needs to happen after they die. And what we see as funeral directors is sometimes folks say nothing, don't do anything. Well, my birthday was just the other day and my wife had asked me for the two weeks prior, what do I want to do? And I told her nothing. It's a very similar a situation when it comes to funeral planning. We don't want to be a bother as human beings. But uh, that's one of the hardest things we do is when we sit before a family and their family members said, don't do anything. They want to honor their wishes, but in their hearts, they want to, they love them. They want to, they want to tell the world that they loved them, but they don't feel that they have the permission. And without that conversation, I think uh, that causes a lot of, a lot of struggle within families. I don't know what he, I don't know what he's talking about real quick <laughs> on the birthday. I, I want bounce houses. I want, no I want a lion tamer trapeze artist. I don't know what he's talking about. I'm going to hang out with you, buddy. He didn't even tell me happy birthday. Happy birthday, by the way. <laughs> oh, thanks. I know your friend didn't say that to yeah, you. Brian didn't do it. going to help you it's out It's because he didn't tell anybody, guys. I, what am I supposed to do there? We you were celebrating I mean? on Bourbon Street here, man. <laughs> uh, but, but you brought up some good points. In our community, we try to encourage the conversation so that our loved ones know what our wishes are. But... That doesn't always happen. I know you guys kind of run into the the same thing. So then what? Ryan, do you have a do you have a checklist you'd like to give to folks after a death I, has occurred, or do you, would you like me to go? I don't really have a checklist. Um, you know, I go ahead, Brian, with it. Well, I mean, it, if your loved one has died and you're walking into a funeral home to make arrangements, um, it'll probably help you to make some notes ahead of time because uh, first off know that you don't have to be in a hurry. You don't have to be rushed. You're on your own schedule, not a funeral home schedule. So that's a big red flag that I mentioned to folks. But um, your mind's going to be coming in and out. So make, make notes. Write your questions down that you want to ask. That is huge because they'll be there one minute and they'll be gone the next. When you go in before a funeral director to talk to them, you'll want to have information ready on family history, names of grandkids, the mother's maiden name seems to be the hardest for some reason. Um, but I think it's because of the stressful nature of the conversation at that time. Um, so making a list of your family and what your loved one did, what they did for work, what clubs they were in, what churches they were in, maybe phone numbers of ministers or folks that you would like the funeral home to call. If you've purchased anything ahead of time outside of the funeral home, you want to bring copies of those receipts, whether it's for the cemetery or for, you know, if you've purchased any merchandise outside of the funeral home, bring those, bring those items. Um, a photograph is always very helpful. You'll be wanting to use that for obituary announcements, for newspaper notices, uh, even online notices as well. Um, clothing's always a good one to bring, especially if you're going to be viewing your loved one later. A lot of folks ask us, do we need to bring pants? Well, as funeral directors, we just recommend you dress them like you normally dress them. You know, how, how you would normally see them, whether it's bib overalls, a baker's outfit, we've done all kinds of different things. It's up to you as a family to uh, let us know your wishes and let us know what you want. But there's nothing that you can forget at that time that can't be fixed over time. We, we just love how much you guys care about y'all's families and about the person that you were honoring these funerals that's what we try to do with our families as to families as well we try to honor them now with that it sounds like there's a lot of passion that you guys bring forth and I know from personal experience that that can be wearing and that it can create a imbalance between your work and your life so what are some things that you guys do outside of work to practice self-care take it away Ryan <laughs> I'm a cigar guy Yes. To be quite honest with you, I don't mm -hmm. know if that's considered self-care. <laughs> yes, it um, is. <laughs> but I, I I really enjoy cigars. 
you know, I, I've got my uh, my own recipe as well that I like to uh, uh, quench my thirst with with those cigars. But I think that uh, from a standpoint of self care, and, and you know, they they talk about PTSD within funeral service and and uh, you know whatever else. I, I know from a pre hospital standpoint, um, it, it is something that 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 you know I think. Uh, EMS professionals as well as uh, public safety have to deal with. I think that it also is relevant within funeral service. Some of the things that you see you deal, deal with, not only within the prep room, but with these families. You know, the, the death of young people, especially if it's tragic, is always so hard. That emotion is so high. And I've talked about this on our podcast is the idea that, you know, the breath uh, in that at first initial viewing just gets taken out of the room, um, you know, uh, from that, uh, that loved one. Uh, actually, uh, you know, getting getting to see their loved one for the first time. So it it, it that does wear on you. I, I don't. I'm not going to say it doesn't. That does wear on you. Um, you know, some people work out. Some people. Yeah, Brian and I just talk, man. You know, I think the podcast for us, it, you know, helps us decompress a little bit. Um, I think dialogue with with you know not necessarily maybe your competitor but other professionals within the industry uh, helps you decompress a little bit. I don't know you know you should have a circle of people that you can reach out to if you've got something that that is bothering you. And I think that's part of self care as well. Um, you know we 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 deal with we we do deal with a lot when it comes to death. Uh, you know, that is our business. That is, uh, uh, what a funeral director does, but there are things that, that will affect a director, uh, differently. Everybody has a different mindset, which means that the things they're dealing with at the time will affect them in different ways. I have more of a hardened mindset. I trip, I, I attribute that to, uh, my years working as a paramedic. Um, you know, some people don't have that, you know, so it, it just varies person to person. What I would advise someone to do is to talk to somebody, have that dialogue. If something's bothering you, bring it up to, to, to a friend within the service. Gosh, call, call one of us, you know, or, or whatever else. It, I, I just think that the dialogue just within society nowadays is so diminished that we do suffer not only uh, from a personal standpoint, but from a professional standpoint as well. So yeah. I, I'm, I'm a cigar guy, but that's me. You know, <laughs> but I, I truly believe dialogue is the biggest way of fixing things. And if I brief, briefly add to that, just bottom line, a hobby, if you can get away from your work and recharge and get back to it full strength, that's the biggest thing. But like Ryan said, sometimes funeral service can make you feel like you're out on an island because frankly, the only one that knows what you're going through in town is the competitor down the street. And yep. if we don't talk to each other, you know, you know, it's a shoulder to lean on in a way, other funeral directors, because we know what each other is going through. And traditionally PTSD has been very taboo. It's a, not a subject that is broached often more and more so nowadays, thankfully within funeral service. Um, but a lot of those that have gone before us, they, they, they tell the young ones that you knew what you got into. It's time to, you know, buckle up and, and, and deal with it like the rest of us. Well, it sounds amazing that that is transition because I think now it's, there's, like you said, there's so much information about PTSD and vicarious trauma and grief. And I think instead of just dealing with it, we can find healthy ways to cope as well. And so that we can provide the support for others the best way that we can. And that sounds like what y'all are doing. Well, to think, think about it this way though, you know, you've got people that have been in this business that do, do reconstructive embalming and things like that. You know, you spend 30 hours uh, trying to, to, you know, and I'm going to say it directly, put someone back together so their loved one can see them and have a, a, a memory picture that is at least acceptable and recognizable. 
uh, from some track you know, tragic incident, 30 hours working on somebody, seeing that and dealing with it, it's going to affect you. You know, there's certain things that you just can't not remember. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not like it's going to go away. Your eyes have seen it. It's there. So how do we cope with that? And how do we uh, cope with it in a healthy way? So, well, guys, we could talk to y'all all day. <laughs> Our new besties, Brian and Ryan. And if you're ever in Louisiana, look us up. We do have those above-ground wow. <laughs> cemeteries. You can come check those out. Yeah. Bourbon awesome. Street. Lots of Can I make one offer. real quick comment? You can. Okay. The last thing I want to say is when we rolled into the pre-planning conversation, I have so many families that let me know as a funeral director that they want to be an organ and tissue donor. And it's so important to let your funeral director know that because it, you, the, where you pass away is not always a situation where a donor network is contacted. So it's so important to let your funeral director know that because we can help you. And if you get resistance, you know that's a red flag. It's time to move on and think, rethink things. That's a great way to end it. We like you guys. If you want more from Brian and Ryan, check out their podcast. It's called Undertaking the Podcast. this point in the podcast guys we are going to take a moment for mental health yes and of course since i'm usually the one that doesn't know what to say <laughs> dun, i'm gonna dun, kick dun. it i'm gonna kick it to sarah what we got today <laughs> all right guys so today we're gonna talk about a really good topic that actually a lot of people bring up what to say when you don't know what to say ding 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 me yes i mean ha- we've all been in situations where we're with someone and they're talking and they say something especially people who are bereaved or grieving and they'll say something about their loved one or just something that stops us in our tracks and in that moment we start to reel and we start to say what am i going to say to this person right mm-hmm. now right yeah we stop listening to the rest of what that person has to say because we're just focused on what we're trying to say next. Yeah, that's right. And so we're not listening to understand anymore. We're listening to respond. And so that just can bring a little bit of anxiety. So what what should we do? Well, some of these situations, like, I'm nervous walking in. Like if it's a funeral, like I am nervous. I don't mm-hmm. want to say the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. I want them to, um, you know, to be a smooth transition. But I mean, I get tongue tied. Right. And, and, the, and I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry for your loss. Like, that's just automatic in my head. And to me, mm-hmm. it's safe. Like, I'm not going to say anything to offend, but it's just like automatic mm-hmm. response, like I'm autopilot. But right. At, at least in those situations, though, I'm somewhat I'm mentally <laughs> preparing. Right. You know, so so I've, I've got something in my mind of, of, of what, you know, obviously you have different relationships with the bereaved mm-hmm. or those who are bereaving. And, uh, and I kind of have an idea, but it's those situations where, you know, they completely catch me off guard with something right. that's, who got a lot of shock factor. Mm-hmm. And that's my next thought is, oh, my goodness, what am I going to say next? And right. instead of just kind of listening. Yeah. And, you know, it's a good problem to have, too, because that means you care and you want to say something that's not going to be harmful to the person. But I think the most important thing to do is to remind yourself to actively listen, to keep whatever you're going to say simple and to know that it's not necessarily what you say, but it's how you say it. True. Remember how you made us feel. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And just, you know, know that a lot of times, too, people don't remember exactly what you said unless it's right. something absolutely outrageous, which yeah. I would hope that we would all not say something absolutely outrageous, but it can happen. Um, know that it's okay to apologize. Know that it's okay to ask questions about what they've said to you and just 
know that if you're coming from a place of anxiousness about it, it's because you care and you don't want to cause harm. So it's okay. I like the the questions part because, Mm -hmm. you know, it's hard to say something outrageous when you're simply asking a question. Right. You know, probing, asking more for them to elaborate. Obviously, it's shocking. If it's something that's that shocking, it kind of came out of left field. Right. So... So, uh, you know, to be able to, to probe and figure out, OK, how, how do we get from this to left field and, and this shocking statement? Right. So that way, you know, you can you can kind of get back to left field, start figuring out more. But at the same time, you're not saying something so outrageous. Right. You, you obviously show the empathy. You show that you care, mm-hmm. you know, without me doing my usual right. you know, stick my eat on my shoe for a little bit. You know, I always say ask an open ended question. Or when in doubt, say, I can't imagine how hard that must have been. Yeah. Most of the time, if you, because we can't imagine and we can't fully understand. But if you say, I can't imagine how hard that must have been or, and then follow it up with an open-ended question, a lot of times you're going to get the information you need to support that person. Mm -hmm. So just show up. Support. Just just be there and be present. That's it. I'm a hugger. Give hugs. I don't need to speak. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be hard for me, Joe. Can I give you a hug? I can can. give him a hug. (laughs) Yes. I like it. All right. All right. Some good advice there. Now, if you have a topic that you'd like Sarah to cover, info at thegiftedlife.org. In every episode of The Gifted Life, we honor a hero. This week, our hero comes from our partners at the Indiana Donor Network. We learn more about Ashley from her family. Ashley was a very kind, lovable woman, 33 years old, that always had a smile and always wanted to help others when she could. She was an avid St. Louis Cardinals fan, enjoyed family time, which included movies and weekend excursions. Ashley was a single mother for several years, mother to Blakely, born December 2006. Ashley met the love of her life, Jess, in 2014. They married October 21st, 2017. Ashley found out she was pregnant. Ashley delivered her daughter a few hours before she passed from complications. Her decision to be an organ donor was followed by her family. She would be so proud to know she was able to impact others' lives. Ashley was a hero by giving the gift of life, something her family and friends will always cherish. And now we pause and say thank you to Ashley for the gift of life. In our question and answer segment today, if I become an organ donor, when can my family expect to have my funeral? So, uh, of course, the the organ recovery process uh, in general takes about a day to two days. Um, And if tissue, if if your loved one is an organ and tissue donor, you know, that will will follow immediately. of course, it's a little different if, if your loved one is a tissue-only donor. That happens b- within the first 24 hours. So, But the, the general uh, time frame would be it's about a day to two-day delay or so. And the, you know, the most important thing to remember is that not only do we work in conjunction with our funeral homes, but we will make sure that your family's needs are accommodated no matter what so that the whole process is as comfortable for you as possible, you and your family. All right. Good job, guys. Now, maybe you have a question for us that you'd like us to tackle. Give us a call, 504-648-3477. 
And that'll do it for episode 118 of The Gifted Life. Hopefully we can have our guests back. Yeah, they were great. Thanks to Brian and Ryan of Undertaking the Podcast for answering our questions and yours. Hopefully we inspired you to become an organ tissue and eye donor. You can do that anytime at registerme.org. And remember, you can always find us at thegiftedlife.org. Yeah, listen to us there or wherever you listen to your podcasts, Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and leave us a five-star rating so others can find us. Woo! I like that. We need to emphasize it, right? (laughs) And we certainly appreciate it on social, our Facebook page, The Gifted Life Podcast, Twitter and Instagram, at Gifted Life Pod. We certainly appreciate you following us there. And we do hope that you go out and do something you wouldn't normally do to help us make life happen. We're a team, and we'll talk to you next time. This is a production of LOPA, or the Louisiana Organ Procurement Agency. The Gifted Life is hosted by Lori Steele, Joey Boudreau, and Sarah Blakemore. Our executive producer is Kirsten Hines. Producer is Shalon Caraway. Intern is Rebecca Ranham. And we are recorded, engineered, and mixed in our Covington, Louisiana studio by Troy Perez. <laughs>